Welcome to the Strange Catholics Podcast. I'm your host, Phil. I'm also joined, as always, by Terry, who's also in Minnesota with me, and Bob, who's in Virginia. We are three distinct voices, bringing varied perspectives on the church and the world into this conversation. We want you to join in the conversation as well. You can do so by going to anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics and leave a message there. We also have a link in the description. We used to gather around a table at Caribou Coffee. It's a coffee house here in Minnesota and in the Midwest. Now we gather virtually in hopes that these conversations continue to be a light not only for us, but for you as well. Now let us welcome Terry and Bob into the conversation. Welcome to the Strange Catholics Podcast. This week, we are going to be covering some Catholic news. We'll also close out our three-week session on confession. We're going to talk about why the importance of the seal of this sacrament is so important. We're also going to talk about how to make a good confession and provide some examples for an examination of conscience preparing for the sacrament. Our spotlight saints this week are St. Monica and St. Augustine. Take it away, Bob. Thank you, Phil. Good evening, Terry and Phil brothers. Good to see you guys. We're on video tonight trying to do this tapings, can see each other and see all of our ugly mugs at the same time. Um, Welcome everyone across the world who are listening to this podcast and thank you for joining us. Uh, You know, Bob, I just got to jump in here real quick. It's probably a good thing that that people can see us because, you know, while Phil is a pretty handsome guy, both you and I definitely have a face for radio. Yeah, I don't have that. I got that monk like like Phil does, right? Trying to be the next, you know, Benedictine of the year. I shaved off my beard. What are you talking about? Yeah, you did. You're right. It's not eight to ten inches anymore. Right. It's not the mountain man, mountain man, uh, holy beard that uh, you used to have. So I digress for joining us. Our, <laughs> our, our listenership just continues to grow and grow and grow. And we thank you very much for that. And we're going to kick off this podcast with Terry doing opening prayer. Terry, take it away. All right. Thank you, Bob. Brothers, let's begin in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Good and gracious God, we thank you for the countless blessings you bestow in our lives. We thank you for the love you show us in each and every day. We ask you to rain the Holy Spirit down upon this podcast this evening as we are recording. Let it be a light and a beacon of hope for all of those who are searching for something unique or some kind of answer to their faith. Guide our conversation and let all that we say and do bring you honor glory, and praise. And we pray all these things through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you, brother. All right. So You're welcome. The news. So there's two stories I want to bring up quickly here. One is the one we were talking about before we came on the broadcast. We thought we'd share with you is is Detroit uh, about the priest who thought he was, a, but is not a priest because of the incorrect baptism. Is that what we said it was again? Invalid um, baptism, invalid the words baptism. that were used were incorrect, yeah, yes. So. Yeah. so the deacon that baptized him used the word, we baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy See released at the beginning of August, I believe it was actually August 6th, saying it is invalid when that formula is used. You need to use the words, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It's a big thing on Catholic Twitter recently. So this deacon, Deacon Springer, who's the deacon who um, in and did the incorrect or, you know, the invalid baptism, um, he's he has believed to do a, a lot of other baptisms as well over the 14 years that he was in this parish in Troy, Michigan. So um, and they don't think there was any more religious, right, a deacon or priest, but he's the only priest. Um, so it, it is kind of, it is a. Um, you know, kind of an interesting story in a, in a unique situation. Important our sacraments are, and how important the sacraments are to us. And this is this is why we take this stuff so seriously. You know, we all have a uh, the rights one. I think it is, if that's what it says, the red one. And it says exactly in there, word for word, when we're doing baptism, one child, multiple children, all that stuff. What we should say, right? And they, you know, they prefer we don't riff, right? We're supposed to say things word for word, right? Stick to the script. Yes. Yep. That's right. I mean, I'm great at kind of going off script and saying things, but the church really doesn't care for that. Maybe during the homily, that's when we allow you to, okay, but any other time, that's just a no-go. So, so we thought that was the other story that I want to uh, everyone's attention is, which just came out today. And it's a, not a Catholic-specific story, but it's about Jerry Falwell Jr., who just stepped down from Liberty University. Has anybody been following about the pictures of him and with uh, with another woman and his wife? And, and, you know, anytime you are a leader of Liberty University, you are the son of Jerry Falwell, who was a iconic evangel, uh, you know, a, a leader in the, you know, the evangelical community for many, many years, right? And, you know, you're this powerful religious figure, figure, you know, in the South, especially in the South. And there are stories like Jerry Falwell, just pool boys, sexual relationship allegations, probably not good for you, you know. And I guess he's he's de he's decided to resign. Um, he is one of the most prominent evangelical supporters of President Trump. That's just a sidelight. But I mean, um, he's also a very powerful evangelical uh, leader. He's going to be stepping down from Liberty University after a report emerged Monday of sexual indiscretions involving him, his wife, and a pool attendant. So it sounds seedy. It sounds dirty. I got it. But what this tells us is we are all here, right? We all fail, okay? How important Jesus Christ is in our lives, right? Guiding us to do the right thing. And then when we do the wrong thing, I think this is in the next session that we're going to talk about. When you do the wrong thing, coming to the cross and giving that to Jesus and getting reconciliation through confession. So I, I wish Mr. Falwell the best. I mean, it's just a sad, sad situation to see somebody fall from grace like that. But it just shows that it doesn't matter who you are, that you're just vulnerable to these to these human frailties that we have. Well, it kind of goes back, at least, Bob, for me, uh, to the Gospel of Matthew, where Christ says when the woman who was caught in an adulterous situation by the Pharisees, Christ says, let the first one among you who is without sin be the one to cast the stone. And, you know, the gospel tells us that eventually everybody just dropped their stones and walked away because they all realized they're not so perfect either. But we don't have people like, you know, and I'll let Phil catch you in here in a second, but we don't have today 
we're trying to be those people. So Terry's trying to promote, don't throw stones at these people. But we don't have enough of those people because I'm telling you, he's going to get pelted with stones. And, yep. you know, I mean, I think people will think rightfully so. And, and there's a difference between attacking him as a human being with those stones for being weak because he's sinned. And, you know, the, you know, can we keep him in his position as a president of a college and all this other university? That's a totally different type of thing. But we wrap it all together in one and then we'll put him aside. And for the rest of his life, he's going to be branded by this. So that that's the unfortunate part of it, Phil. I just wanted to say we can dive deeper into what Christ wrote on the ground. St. Thomas Aquinas gives a beautiful reflection on that some other time in another podcast episode. Because there's a lot of depth to what St. Thomas Aquinas brings to that specific reading. It's a beautiful exegesis on that scripture. But yes, I agree. Yes, we are all fallen. And sometimes when those people of, you know, leadership positions make these big gaffes, make these falls, right? Many people's, every people, everyone sins all the time, right? We We fall on those same things. Sometimes we make mortal sins, big sins. We are kind of drifting into the next topic, but when we do that, um, you know, we want to recognize our own sinfulness again, because we're all fallen and we all fall to different degrees, depending on our spiritual state and where we're at. And sometimes we make horrible mistakes and those mistakes have consequences. Yes, yes. we can repair our union with God, but as we talked about last week, it's also impair, important to repair that that break, that harm, that hurt that happened within the body of Christ, which is far more difficult to do. Absolutely. Well, I, mean, I mean, we're all guilty of throwing stones, unfortunately. And, and, and part of it is this cultural thing that humans, that we do and we've built over time. And to understand, look no farther than to Don Henley saying dirty laundry, and you will understand exactly <laughs> the kind of culture we're in right now. That being said, transition. Well, Phil, we'll play it for you sometime, young man. You'll get to hear <laughs> that, that song. We're going to transition now into uh, confession and preparing for confession and the seal of confession, and Phil is going to lead us. In. Thank you, Bob. So the, the first part I really wanted to highlight was the seal of confession, because so many times, so many people's apprehension is that the priest is going to know these sins that they're confessing, and you know, then we have fear about bringing those sins before that priest. The church obviously knows that that fear is real. And so in her wisdom has brought forth this, what is called the sacramental seal. This is specific to the sacrament of reconciliation. So I am going to quote from uh, paragraph 1467 in the catechism. Given the delicacy and greatness of this ministry and the respect due to persons, the church declares that every priest who hears confessions is bound under very severe penalties to keep absolute secrecy regarding the sins that his penitents have confessed to him. He can make no use of knowledge that confession gives him about penitents' lives. The secret, which admits of no exceptions, is called the sacramental seal because what the penitent has made known to the priest remains sealed by the sacrament. The importance here is that if you do not have this seal anymore, when people are bringing their sins, great even grave sins, their mortal sins, to the priest, and someone compels the priest to give that information, then someone could get 
the dirty laundry on someone, whatever it might be, right? There have been a number of states in the last years that have tried to uh, have this seal broken so that if someone confesses a heinous crime, that the priest is obliged to provide that. Now, the priest would be breaking his um, sacramental vow by doing that, by providing that, and I don't think there would be priests that would give that information, but it just is the importance of the seal and then some of the attacks that have happened. I mentioned mortal sin, so I wanted to just recap what that means because I think even that sometimes can be confusing. You know, was it a mortal sin? Was it not a link to this document? put up by Bulldog Catholic. If anyone knows who runs that, that's uh, Father Mike Schmitz and his other uh, people up at UMD in Minnesota. But the definition, it's in this document, helps guide us as we're preparing for confession. But to, to actually commit a mortal sin is when we have full knowledge that the act, thought, word, or omission was contrary to God's will, as in it's sinful, is possessed by the offender. So full knowledge, then full consent, so with intentionality, not being forced, is held with held by the one committing the sin. And then the third element is grave matter. Anything under the Ten Commandments and the precepts of the church is are in these circum, circumstances of sin. Not to belabor the point, but there is a difference in grave matter between stealing ten dollars from a man, from a friend and stealing 10,000 from an orphanage. If any of these three conditions are not met, the sin is to be known as venial, so not as serious. And actually, the beautiful gift of going to Mass is that our venial sins can be forgiven. As we mentioned in our first podcast, yes, it is still good to try to get to the Sacrament of Reconciliation as often as you can, not through scrupulosity where you're going daily or even weekly, but you know, listen to your spiritual director, if you can monthly, at more than once a year is really a good, you know, goalpost to try and hit if you can, right? But all of this is to say we want to try and remove those things that are blocking our ability to really receive God's abundant graces that is showering down upon us. All that we're doing when we're sinning is slowly, when we're committing those venial sins, it's like putting little cracks in the windshield. We're slowly distorting the way God's grace can get to us. And as we talked about last week, when we're committing those mortal sins, it's like we're driving into a tree where we can no longer see out of that windshield and the car doesn't drive anymore. There's another beautiful quote that I want to call up from Pope Francis about sins, if that's okay, unless anyone has anything else they want to add. This, I thought, was a great quote from our Holy Father. When we are in a state of sin, we are like human bats who can move about only at night. We find it easier to live in darkness because the light reveals to us what we do not want to see. But then our eyes grow accustomed to darkness and we no longer recognize the light. Beautiful quote from our Holy Father. Before I move on to how to make a good confession, any comment? Well, Phil, thanks for yielding the floor for just a second. We're about ready to take a commercial break and say we'll be back on the Phil Hanneman podcast in just a moment. Okay. I could have stopped at any time, Bob. You could have. I was making some sort of gestures, but I was I was listening to Dirty Laundry by Don Henley, which we need to get into the end of the show as kind of our closing. I don't know. We probably have a copyright problem. Okay, yeah, we, we, we can't do we, that. We don't make that kind of money. Okay. <laughs> so the, the only thing I, thing I will say, if I could just offer a couple 
uh, quotes here. Um, did you bring up St. Thomas Aquinas? Yes, did. Phil did. Bring up he your did. quote. Okay. Bring up your quote. Uh, the one where he's uh, where he devoted a whole section um, uh, in, in the Summa Theologiae about it. You didn't you didn't bring that up. I just thought I would bring it up. You know, just just name drop that out there. Um, he devoted a whole section to CO writing that it is essential to the sacrament because it prevents scandal and reflects the fact that the priest knows a particular sin as it is known to God place the priest holds in confession. And I will also bring up one other, not quote, but another passage real quick from Pope Pius X. Where have I heard his name before? Huh? Was he on here before on a, on a previous podcast? I don't know. I would listen to the last podcast if you haven't listened to it already, because maybe you'll hear about Pope Pius X. But he wrote in his 1908 catechism that the confessor is, quote, is bound by the seal of confession to the gravest sin and under threat of the severest punishments, both temporal and external or eternal. I mean, this is an inviolable, I can't say it, inviolable, how do we say that? You cannot violate and put in from it, okay? We cannot violate you know, for many reasons that Phil brought up. So I'll be quiet. Now. You guys have covered it very well. I have really nothing to add. That's great to hear. I love that. <laughs> Why are you? Oh, wow. You get, you get ordained and then you come on here and, and we celebrate you like you are the, the newest deacon in the diocese and you're like, you're the man. You got all this fresh air. And you go, I have further to say. <laughs> we already said it all. That's what he said. We already said already, it right. He's you already covered it so well. <laughs> and we are trying to keep this time limit a okay. little more brief. So. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I guess we, have we do we okay? No, that's good, Terry. I appreciate that. You just want to move us on to the section where you talk more, but uh, exactly, I'm the star of the show. Then, <laughs> <laughs> is there is there any? Go ahead. Thank you. As with every sacrament, the best thing you can do is prepare for the sacrament. How do you do that? You enter into listening, listening to how the Holy Spirit is moving within you and asking the Holy Spirit to really bring whatever it is that the Holy Spirit wants you to bring into the sacrament of reconciliation, bring that before him. Again, as we've mentioned before, the priest is just really a stand-in for Jesus. Jesus is truly present in that sacrament. He is acting, you know, as that conduit of the graces that God is offering us. So set aside quiet time. Really listen to what the Holy Spirit is bringing to you. Find a really good examination of conscience. We will link to a couple in our show notes. If you can't find any of those, there's lots of apps too. I will try to list out a few apps, names, and targets in the description. But again, if you just look up examination of conscience, Catholic, reconciliation, confession, something, you'll find a lot of really good ones that are going to help break apart the commandments to reflect and see where are the ways that we have not lived up to what God is calling us to? Where are the ways where we've done something against what God is calling us to? And how can we repair that? And that's what God wants is that reunion, true full union with us and God. I think there are, I've run across a couple of um, very good YouTube videos as well that talk about, you know, how to make a good confession. Yeah, they're out there. Lots of opportunities. Yes. If you're going to go, you might as well do it right. And we recommend you go. So, and if you do it the right way, I think you'll get more up. So, all right. Absolutely. So, okay. Well, that's, that's it. All right. That's it. Confession. We're going to take a short break and then we'll be back right after. All right. We're back. It's time for the Saint Spotlight. We have two saints we're going to talk about this week. 
because they're related and Terry's done what he's at least claimed is a lot of diligent work and research on this. So he's going to lead us in this conversation, Terrence. All right, thank you, Robert, appreciate that. This week, we actually profile a one great one-two punch of saints in the Catholic Church, Saints Monica and Augustine of Hippo, uh, two very powerful saints. Uh, We're gonna begin um, as proper etiquette should uh, teach us, with the ladies first, St. Monica. Her feast day is August 27th. Uh, She was born in 331 AD. She is the patron saint of alcoholics, conversion, abuse victims, married women, and mothers. The circumstances of St. Monica's life could have made her a nagging wife, a bitter daughter-in-law, and a despairing parent, yet she did not give way to any of these temptations. She was married early in life to Patricius, who held an official position in Tagest, which is now modern-day Algeria. Patricius had some redeeming features, but he also had a violent temper, and he was licentious. Monica also had a bear with a cantankerous mother-in-law who lived in their home. Patricius criticized his wife because of her charity and her piety, but he always respected her. Monica's prayers and example finally won her husband and her mother-in-law over, and they both converted to Christianity. She had three children, Augustine, Navagius, and a daughter, Perpetua. Perpetua and Navagius entered the religious life, but unfortunately, Augustine became lazy and uncouth. This greatly worried Monica. Augustine would lead a life that was in quite opposition to his mother's wishes and even had a son outside of marriage. Monica fervently prayed for him. Then one night she had a vision that assured her Augustine would return to the faith. From that time on, she stayed close to her son, praying and fasting for him, also following him to Rome and to Milan. In Milan, she met Ambrose, the bishop, who became her spiritual director. He promised her, surely the son of so many tears will not perish. Through him, she ultimately had the joy of seeing Augustine yield after 17 years of resistance. And at Easter in 387 AD, St. Ambrose baptized Augustine and several of his friends. St. Monica died in her late 50s in the Roman port of Ostia while waiting to board a ship to cross over to Africa. In her final hours, Augustine asked if he should transport her body to Tagest for, uh, sorry, lost my spot there, um, for burial next to her husband. She said uh, she was happy to be buried wherever she died, for nothing is far from God. A quick reflection on uh, St. Monica to close her out. Today with Google searches, online shopping, text messages, tweets, and instant credit, We have little patience for things that take time. Likewise, we want instant answers to our prayers. But St. Monica is a model of patience. Her long years of prayer coupled with a strong, well-disciplined character finally led to the conversion of her hot-tempered husband, her cantankerous mother-in-law, and her brilliant but wayward son, St. Augustine. And now to St. Augustine. He was born in 354 AD. He is the patron saint of printers, theologians, brewers, 
and a number of cities and dioceses. He is also invoked against sore eyes. Uh, his feast day is the day after St. Monica's on August the 28th. He is one of the earliest and most influential voices of the Catholic faith outside of the apostles. Augustine was born in Tagest, a modern Roman community in a river valley 40 miles from the Mediterranean coast in Africa. From his early years, Augustine possessed an inquisitive mind and an and an attractive personality and set his sights on a career that would bring him both wealth and fame, goals that were heartily endorsed by his parents who sought out opportunities to provide their son with the finest education possible. At the age of 11, Augustine was sent to school at Madurius. There he became familiar with Latin literature as well as pagan beliefs and practices. His first insight into the nature of sin occurred when he and a number of friends stole fruit they did not want from a neighborhood garden. At the age of 17, through the generosity of his fellow citizen Romanaeus, Augustine went to Carthage to continue his education in rhetoric, though it was above the financial means of his family. In spite of the good warnings of his mother as a youth, Augustine lived a hedonistic lifestyle for a time associating with young men who boasted of their sexual exploits. They need to gain a, the need to gain acceptance forced inexperienced boys like Augustine to seek or make up stories about their sexual experiences. It was while as a student at Carthage that he read Cicero's dialogue Horton Hortensius, which has now been lost, um, which described as leaving a lasting impression, enkindling in his heart the love of wisdom and a great thirst for the truth. It started uh, his interest in philosophy. Although he was raised Catholic, Augustine became a Manichaean, uh, much to his mother's chagrin, which was a major religion that saw the world as light and darkness and one and when one died they were removed from the world of matter and returned to the world of light which is where life comes from at the age of 17 augustine began a relationship with a young woman in carthage though his mother wanted him to marry a woman of his class the woman remained his lover for over 15 years and gave birth to his son which re, um, his son's name uh, was adiodatus which means gift from God, who was viewed as an extremely intelligent also uh, by his contemporaries. At the age of 28, Augustine left Africa in 383 to make his career in Rome. He taught there briefly before landing a plum appointment as an imperial professor of rhetoric at Milan. Although August Augustine spent 10 years in his religion, he was never an innate or elect, but an auditor, the lowest level in this religion's hierarchy. While still at Carthage, a disappointing meeting with the bishop Faustus of Malieve, a key component of Manichaean theology, started Augustine's skepticism of his religion. In Rome, he reportedly turned away and embraced the skepticism of the new academy movement. Because of his education, Augustine had a great rhetorical prowess and was very knowledgeable of the philosophies behind many faiths. 
at Milan, his mother's religiosity, Augustine's own studies in Neoplatism, and his and a friend all urged him towards Catholicism. In late August of 386, at the age of 31, having heard the first reading of the life of Antony of the Desert, Augustine converted to Catholicism. As Augustine would later tell it, his conversion was prompted by hearing a child's voice say, take up and read. Examples of prayers and influence of Monica had no little part to play in the drama of her son's spiritual itinerary. And as Augustine ascribes her largely to his conversion to the Catholic faith, he was baptized at the age of 33 by the Bishop of Bishop Ambrose of Milan. Uh, his decision to embrace the Catholic faith was at the same time a commitment to spend the remainder of his life as a servant of God, that is, in celibacy, though even though he had been living four years with a woman whom he deeply loved and whom he had fathered a son. In 388, Augustine, Monica, and Adiodatus prepared to return to North Africa. And as I said earlier, unfortunately, Monica made it only as far as Ostia, the port in Rome where she passed away. Uh, back in Africa, his son also passed away. This left Augustine alone on the fam family property. He sold almost all of his possessions and gave his money to the poor. In 395, he became the city's co-adjudicator bishop and then its bishop. As bishop, he wrote extensively and the value of his writings was such that he became a church father. As bishop, Augustine found his desired life of contemplation and separation from worldly concerns necessarily influenced and refashioned by his many obligations as a leader of the local church and as a civil official. Shortly before Augustine's death, the Vandals, a Germanic tribe that had converted to Arianism, invaded Roman Africa. The Vandals besieged Hippo in the spring of 430 when Augustine entered his final illness. The, the uh, healing of an ill man took place under the siege, which is one of the few miracles attributed to Augustine. According to sources, Augustine spent his final days in prayer, repentance, and requesting the penitential Psalms of David be hung on his walls so he could read them. He directed the library of the church in Hippo and all the books therein should be carefully preserved. He died um, on August 28th at uh, in the year 430. He was canonized a saint by popular acclaim as the custom of papal canonization had not yet arisen and later was recognized as a doctor of the church in 1298 by Pope Boniface VIII. And that is Augustine and Monica, gentlemen. And Augustine got a lot, of, lot, of, lot of stuff. So it just goes on for a long time. The only, the only thing I have to add, um, besides Saint Augustine being just a really great, great read, is everybody should read Confession Amen by Saint that. Augustine. So I mean, that'll give you more insight you know, into that type of thing. So. I mean, because Terry covered, you know, all the vital statistics there. So I'll let Phil talk. I just have my, I just have a quick quote that I wanted to include, if that's okay. Right this is part of paragraph 30 out of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, but it's from the Confessions. Despite everything, man, though but a small part of your creation, wants to praise you. 
You yourself encourage him to delight in your praise, for you have made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. A little bit different translation in confessions because you get the these and thous and stuff, but beautiful quote that I love. I just I love he's a, he's an incredible thinker. You know, obviously the side of it's the whole totality of I mean, you know, just an incredible thinker. So well, and for a lot of a lot of people, he, you know, he's one to be held up where you know he didn't leave the holiest of lives, but yet you know through the prayers of his mother and through. Um, him turning to God, he became this iconic figure of the early church, and his writings, you know, still exist, you know, how many hundreds of years later? Well, thousands. Yeah. A couple thousand. So, yeah, I mean, there's hope for all of us. Absolutely. Okay, so. St. Saint Mo- Saint Monica and St. Augustine, pray for us. Pray for us. Yeah, pray for us. All right, so moving into our intercessions. We actually received our first email submission for an intercession. So ding, 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 ding. we would really like to thank uh, Deacon Dean for submitting this. Uh, this is our way of giving shout outs is when people give us these submissions, especially. Uh, so we're we're going to lift up. We have, as uh, Bob mentioned, we have quite a few prayer intentions today. So we're going to try and uh, bring our hearts and minds into that prayerful spirit and really try to move ourselves closer to God with these prayers. So let us begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you again for bringing this together, bringing all of us together to hear how you are speaking to us through the words of others. Let our spirit always be open to how you are moving in and through others. We pray for the repose of Elaine. All those that mourning the loss of Elaine and all those that are in mourning for the loss of a loved one. We pray for Amy for health, positive, good healing health. Lord, you are the divine physician. We ask you to please grant her healing. All of those that are struggling with the recovery from health problems and the strains that that can cause on any relationship, especially all of those that are struggling in their marriage. Whatever it might be, Lord, you give them the graces, please, Lord, we ask, to reconcile them to each other and especially to you. We pray for Deacon Dean's son and all of those that are returning to school, especially those that are going off to college, that they be guided by the Holy Spirit to be open to how God is working in their lives and growing closer to him, both in their learning, but especially in these troubling times that they lean on you. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 That was that was wonderful. <clears throat> and if and if folks, if we need, we want and we need your prayer intentions. So just like Deacon Dean. Uh, please send us your prayer intentions so we can get them here at the end of the uh, broadcast. Uh, We'll come together as one large community, us three here with all the folks listening to us and and everyone across the world basically joining hands to pray for those things that need prayer. So please do that. Uh, We really would appreciate it. So we've come to the end of another podcast, another wonderful, glorious podcast. We thank all of you for listening to us. Please you know, go on to uh, Apple Podcasts and, and rate us. Five stars is the minimum. And 
because that helps people find us, I think. If not, at least it shows how great we are and, and we know that we're doing a good job. Um, please leave a comment. You know, there's a place for leaving comments there or whether you go on Stitcher or Spotify, any of those other uh, podcast platform, also Anchor. You can go on to Anchor and uh, leave comments as well. And then uh, uh, Phil's going to tell you about the, the website and where the show notes are and all that. Stuff. Thank you, Bob. Again, if you have prayer intentions, show suggestions, comments, or would like to give us some gentle corrections, whatever it might be, we in, we please send us some feedback to strangecatholicspod at gmail.com. A link is in the description. You may also, if you prefer not to write something out, you can send us, you know, from your iPhone, your Android, you can record an, an audio recording and send that to us and we can play that on the show as well. So we really implore you to send in your intentions, your prayer intentions, the things you want lifted up in prayer, anything that it might be. Uh, as Bob mentioned, Apple Podcasts is where most everyone is listening to us, so especially rating it on there is very helpful. Thank you, Phil. Terry, have any closing comments for the for our fans, for our listeners? Just that, uh, thank you very much for listening. We appreciate your love, your support, especially uh, to our brother Deacon Dean, who sent us the uh, the prayer request this week. And as always, it is an honor and a privilege to share this platform with you, my brothers. You as well. And thanks to everybody who listens. We look forward to uh, doing a podcast next week and hope you tune in then. And until that time, love you, brothers. Love you, brothers. Love you, brothers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Strange Catholics. We hope that you enjoyed the conversation and that it helps you continue to dive into a deeper reflection and union with our Lord Jesus Christ and his church. If you would like to leave some feedback, please go to anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics. You can leave us a message there. We will play and respond to your question or comment as we are able in the next episode. We ask that you share this podcast and this episode especially with at least one person. This will help get the word out and help more people to join in the conversation. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes. This really helps podcasts get traction and help even more people discover the peace, love, and mercy that our Lord offers each and every one of us. Thank you again for listening. Have a glorious day and may God bless you.